Hello, I'm Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast, and I have a good friend and familiar face on the show today to talk about an exciting project that he's embarking on. And I'm I'm so excited because I want to get a copy of this book and read it for my my own well-being. But uh, James Miller, welcome back to, I say back because you are a repeat guest on the show. Welcome back to the Living Undeterred podcast. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you allowing me to be a guest on your show today. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be great. I, I, I really admire the work you do. And, and I, I don't know what box to put you in. In other words, you're kind of a Renaissance man. It's like you're a psych, you're a licensed psychotherapist, you're a radio host, you are a musician and you know, now you're going into this, you know, area of being an author. And, and, uh, today we're going to specifically focus on a new project, a new book that you have coming out. And I don't think the timing could be any better for what your book <laughs> yeah. represents. So I guess maybe for people who are new to my show and don't know much about you, maybe a little backdrop about you, what your why is, where, where, you, where you've been, where you're going, and then we'll kind of just segue into your book project. Oh, great. I appreciate you allowing me to use your platform to talk about my book. So as you know, I'm James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I've been in the mental health field for over 25 years. I have done worked in every setting you can think of, and it's really taught me a lot, not only about how to help people, but obviously <laughs> about my life as well. I made a huge change in 2015 and left my private practice and said, I do want to do something different. I want to do something where I am feeling even more fulfilled within myself, and I want to just kind of tap into all the different interests and talents that I have. So in 2015, I moved to Florida and started Lifeology, and so I started as a on a YouTube channel, for six months, every single day, I did a YouTube episode practicing my craft again. When I was younger, I was in a lot of television and film. And so I was like, well, I want to practice this again. So did a lot of that. Then I went to a podcast and then went to a national radio show. And it's, I've been blessed to be heard by millions of people. And it's incredibly humbling. But the main, the main reason why I do what I do, and I'm sure just like all of your listeners as well, is I want to make a difference. You know, I don't care who knows me. I mean, that's, you know, whatever my reputation is. But it's more about just trying to be kind to people. And letting people know there's always hope, regardless of how painful life is. And we've all been there before. Regardless of how overwhelming it can be, there's always hope. And when we know that, that creates the platform of saying, if there's hope, then maybe my life today doesn't necessarily have to be the way it is. How can I look at something a little bit different? And when I look at something a little bit different, that allows me to say, this may happen, this circumstance may be here today, but it doesn't mean tomorrow it will be that way. And so with a slight shift, it starts to help us look at, well, what if? And it starts us to help us to dream again and to focus on something, the direction we want our life to go, as opposed to the despair that we might feel right now in the moment. Yeah, there's such a deterioration of, I would say, people's you know quality of life, their well-being, let's say. Yeah. Maybe it's mostly a self-perceived issue because maybe their mm -hmm. life isn't as bad you know, as, as they think they are. But if you look at just some of the things that are going on, uh, all the negative press and, and, and in the mm -hmm. recent, some of the recent, you know, even the school shootings, and you have to yeah. think about the, 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 the mental health uh, fragility of it right now. And so self-help books, there's thousands of them. There's so many That's of them. Right. You walk into the airport and they're just, they're everywhere. They have their own little category. So why mm -hmm. is your book, and let, let's first, let's tell me the title of your book. And sure. how you came up with that. We got to talk about the title of it, but, and, and how you came up with it. And then why would I pick James Miller in his book? Thank you. The name of, name of my book is Life Lessons. You are the expert on your life. And the reason why it's called that is because once again, like you said, so many self-help books out there, fantastic. But when we're in struggling in the moment, 
I haven't, and I'm not saying there's anything out there, but I haven't found a book that simply says when you are, are blindsided by life here, or when you feel like there's no hope here, this book specifically focuses on these mini chapters that gives you the ability to find a framework. And then it helps you reflect on where you were in your past, how you felt this feeling before. If you felt the feeling before, what'd you do that was healthy for you to move beyond it or to give you a little bit of perspective? And what'd you do that did not work? So this is an actually a workbook as well. So once again, life lessons, you are the expert on your life, a workbook. And so in that, it really helps you create the foundation and the framework to look at your own past. And then with that, the prompts that I give you gives you the insight to say, okay, this moment is so overwhelming, but this is what I can do to take my next breath and to figure out my next plan. I really like this angle because I think a lot of motivational speakers and life coaches, they're trying to bring to the table, maybe new things, maybe a new mm -hmm. way to look at things. You're mm -hmm. saying, you know, you've done these things. You, you've, you've conquered things in seventh grade and in 10th grade yeah. and in college. And, and you can go back and you can, uh, you know, you can, um, you know, revisit those opportunities that you had when you were, you know, undeterred or persevering mm -hmm. or resilience and you have it inside of you. And that's a little bit different approach than a lot of the self-help books that are almost in your face. Like here's your five steps to fix your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know, those things are all over the place. And then I yeah. saw your, <laughs> um, your short synopsis that you provided to me and I looked through and I thought, well, this is just a little bit different approach because we're really looking inwards to fix mm -hmm. our situation versus looking yeah. outwards, right? You know, a lot of times we think, you know, when life blindsides us, something happens and it's a new experience we've never experienced before, that can become so overwhelming that we don't know what to do. And the reality is you probably don't. But if you can reflect on what emotion am I feeling right now or what thought am I having right now? And so mm -hmm. when you can bring it down to the smallest increment or component, if you're feeling grief, well, I felt grief before. When did I feel grief before? Let me think about that. And when I felt that, mm -hmm. what did I do to help work through that grief? What were the things that worked for me? What were the things that did not work? So you don't have to reinvent the wheel in that respect. So you can focus on the emotional struggle you have. That's the where the reflection comes in. That reflection brings implementation in the moment, which then allows you to find perspective and to find out what's the healthiest thing for you to do next. Because when that emotion is too overwhelming, we don't know what to do. And one of the things I struggle with when I, and I'm, I love reading, uh, you know, self-help books, motivational stuff. Uh, I, I need it as much as any other person to just stay focused, stay motivated. But you know, when you're looking at, um, options that are available, you know, I mm -hmm. think sometimes the things that come from within are the most genuine and the yeah. most authentic. And, you know, I use it, I, I talk about substance abuse and addiction. And if you force someone to go to say a rehab facility versus them going on their own free will, there's a certain mm -hmm. difference of, of how effective that is. And so yes. I think if, if you're looking at improving your life and you try to find these methods internally, I think mm -hmm. there's something about that maybe being a little more effective because what happens with me, James, is I, I go to these things, I listen to them and then nothing happens. There's like no action yeah. steps. And so mm -hmm. yours being a workbook, I think is a great idea that you've decided to do instead of like a memoir, you know, instead yes. of writing a book about yes. your struggles <laughs> and kind of like what I did in my book, it's more of a memoir. It's not a textbook. Uh -huh. It's not a uh, workbook. Sure. So I'm really intrigued on how you designed the workbook, what kind of what, how you broke down your, I know you have nine, is it nine chapters or nine segments or? Great question. Nine categories are in the book. There's actually categories. 40, 
Yeah, there's over 40 chapters in this book. So the nine categories, and I'll read them real quickly for your listeners, is when you're- And I have one I want to talk to you about that caught my eye, but I want you to go okay, through yours. Sure. Go through them first, <laughs> and I want to pull you back later. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, so uh, the categories are when your emotions overwhelm you, improving yeah. your communication, blindsided by life, improving your relationships, moving on with life, life lessons, identifying self-sabotage, creating your future and tackling the holidays. So all of those nine categories have multiple chapters within them. And then in within the chapters have the workbook prompts in there as well. So is there, is there an order in here um, in regards to how the, how grieving and maybe dealing with these things, like you have, you, I'm sure your chapters aren't random, but I mean, what, what's the thought process when you're putting this together? I mean, like, I know there's the stages of grief. There's all these, it seems like there's these mm -hmm. orders out there. Did you design sure. your book with that in mind? In some sense I did. I more in the sense of when I wrote this, I was focusing more on in the moment, more actually more of the categories. And so I know with all the people I've worked with, with all throughout all these years, I was really thinking about what are the categories or what are the struggles that people have? And so that's where I created the nine categories. So it's not necessarily in the order of something. So when you read it, you can go to that category and say, well, I'm struggling right now with how do I move on with my life? What does that look like? And so those chapters that I have in there are specific for that. And those are put in the order of what makes sense. So it goes from different aspects of the uh, um, understanding of something to the activation of something. So the very first chapter, excuse me, is called, um, well, the first category is when your emotions overwhelm you. And that specific one is called radical acceptance. So radical acceptance mm -hmm. is a really fancy SAT word that really focuses on the concepts of life overwhelms me. And when it overwhelms me, what do I do? I don't have to focus mm -hmm. on what was. So I simply say, these are the facts as they are. I remove all the emotions from it. I don't like what happened. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's fair. It doesn't allow the person to be off the hook, but these are the facts. And when I look at that, then I'm able to say, okay, this is here and it hurts. What do I do with that? So that's where the 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 quote, um, life. Oh my goodness! I just forgot the quote. Um, trouble trouble is inevitable, but misery is optional. And that's a whole concept of what radical acceptance is. Trouble is going to happen mm. in our life, but misery right. or the suffering is optional. We don't have to get lost in the grief of something. And when that happens, when we do get lost in it, all of a sudden that's where we don't know what to do. And when we don't know what to do. That's when every negative thought that comes into life happens. That's where we have what's called emotional forecasting, which is the second or third chapter in the book. Emotional forecasting is essentially where you take your emotional snapshot right now. So you have a de devastating loss of something. You feel it, it consumes you, it permeates every cell in your body. And so when you think about your future, whether that's tomorrow, whether that's a year, whether that's five years from now, that then becomes your life. I feel this right now, so it must be true and this must be how my life is going to be. And unfortunately, when you have that emotional forecasting, that's when all of a sudden despair literally sets in and you feel like this is my past, this is my present, and this is how it will always be. But it's that's not how that's not necessarily the truth. And so radical acceptance allows a person to accept the facts as they are, to not get lost in the grief and suffering, and to focus on this and saying, what can I do right this second, as opposed to having to focus on my future that I don't yet know. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Uh, when I read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor mm -hmm. Frankl, Victor Frankl, he had suffering is my opportunity. I mm -hmm. rephrased it for me. Pain is unavoidable, suffering is a choice. So that's very yeah. that's very similar that's to what you said. And I think chosen suffering i think there's even a book out called that chosen suffering mm. where you Sounds know great. pain happens not much you can do about it like you said mm -hmm. but we really choose our misery we choose our suffering yes. to, to an extent i mean if you have stage four cancer you really of can't course. do much with choosing that type of suffering but mm -hmm. i want but the difference though in that if i may say is there's a yeah, difference yeah. between physical 
suffering versus emotional suffering. So good point. Every morning I always tell people, well, when I work with people, I would say create two emotional scales, two scales in the morning. When you wake up scale, um, 10 is the best you feel and one's the worst you feel. So those two scales are this. When I wake up, I can say physically, what scale am I at? So if I wake up and I'm doing pretty well, let's say I'm, I'm feeling like a level eight. But if I wake up and I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, I may be like at a level three for my emotions. So the difference is, is my emotion, my emotions may be low, but my body is high. So my suffering mm -hmm. may be at my emotional standpoint, but that becomes a choice. Now, the physical aspect, we can't choose that amount of suffering, but we can understand how the physical pain influences us. If I don't get a lot of sleep or my body's aching, then yes, that's going to affect my emotions. But when I can differentiate between those two things and say, yes, this is what my body is feeling right now. I accept that. It hurts. I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. But I know that that's impacting my level of tolerance with people. I know that's affecting different aspects. And so when that's the case, we have that awareness and we can allow people to know I'm physically hurting. That probably is going to impact how we interact with you. But the difference is when it comes to the emotional struggle, that is our choice to determine how we're going to respond to people. Just because life feels a certain way is simply a feeling. There's what's called a thinking error. A thinking error is essentially an emotional lens we use or a filter we use and how we look at the world. So one of those thinking errors, and that's in my book as well, is, is called emotional reasoning. I feel it, so it must be true. I feel angry, so I must be angry. You did something to me and it hurt my feelings, so therefore my feelings are hurt. Or I'm, right. I feel dumb, so I must be dumb. That's not the case. If you think something, that's your choice if that becomes your reality or not. So that's the same type of thing when it comes to emotional struggle or emotional suffering is that becomes our choice. There's always a time to, to feel pain, appropriate time of grief. But once that appropriate time of grief is done, what do you do next? And that's where we decided they're suffering or not. Hmm. So um, that's the actionable of the action item that you're thinking mm -hmm. about in the notebook is, you know, you get people very focused on what you want to cover and then you have steps in the notebook in in your book to sure. have people implement these things that you're talking about yeah so one thing i want people to know it's it's this it's a quick read this these each chapter is very short there's only two to three pages of the chapter so what it does is it gives you a moment to look at something and say ah i don't know what to do this is a foundation this is the nugget i need to focus on something i was looking at the aspects of people's um, their ability to concentrate and to pay attention when things happen. Most people, when they're reading a self-help book, that's great. They want that self-development. But when you're in crisis, when I'm in crisis, I struggle right. with reading a lot of things. I struggle with really retaining right. that knowledge. So even the prompts, they're short. There's only six or seven prompts. For example, the radical acceptance aspect of it, if I may read that real fast, those are very quick. Um, if you're, let me see here. If you are currently struggling and need to use radical acceptance, I explain all of that in that chapter, identify your current feelings and thoughts. So it allows people to slow their thoughts down. When you write your feelings out or your thoughts out, it's attached to a feeling. The feeling is then mm -hmm. attached to your action. The next one to describe when you felt the above emotions before, what happened for you? So now we're reflecting on what was in the past. So if you're currently struggling now with radical acceptance, let's reflect on a time in the past when you struggle with radical acceptance. And then it allows you to focus on what were the emotions that you felt? What did you do that worked for you? What did you do that not work for you? So it works you through the present, goes to the past, then the actionable items of what you did, what that worked and what you did that did not work. And then from there it says, how can you implement that now? And so I give a different ideas of what that looks like. And then the next thing is, what'd you learn from this? What's your takeaway? How do you implement this moving forward? So it's like I said, the chapters are very short and but very concise in the prompts that allow you to focus on the moment. Once again, when life does overwhelm us, we simply need a direction. And that's what this book does is a really give the direction for someone who's struggling in the moment possibly you answered my question I was going to ask because I 
right now with what I'm doing with my projects, and I'm sure you can mm -hmm. relate to this, I get overwhelmed yes. and I get, you know, personal business, you know, family things, uh, health, you know, I want, I want to get my workouts in every day. And it seems to me like there just isn't enough day. I just mm -hmm. run out of time. And then I get, yeah. I get, I get sloppy. I make mistakes. I forget to, you know, yesterday I did something that I, I literally never do. I, I missed a online zoom meeting that mm. I had on my, had on my schedule for a month and oh, I have no excuse for it. I have no excuse for it. Mm. So I'm going to tap, I'm going to basically try to get some, some free advice from you for the next minute or <laughs> <Sorry>. two, but <laughs> how funny. do you get someone who's a type a personality, who's, who's attention deficit and is in love with what they're doing, but they are, they feel massively overwhelmed. I mean, what, what do you mm -hmm. say to someone like that? And not that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my desire. I don't think I could possibly oh, of course not. do yeah. that. Well, it's just trying to but manage everything how do, well. Yeah. How do I, that's a good word. How do I manage, how does someone like that? I won't say it's me. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> how does someone, <laughs> how does someone like that manage their chaotic life? One thing I think most people think is, is a struggle with is when there's, when life is so overwhelming, it's, it's literally the basics. I know for me, if I'm incredibly overwhelmed, I have to plan on when I go to sleep. I have to plan on when I'm going to wake up. I have to plan on when I'm going to shower. I'm going to plan on when I eat. Mm -hmm. And so the basics is one of the most important things. Sleep, people don't realize that is a foundation for success. If you do not have sleep, your life is not going to go in the direction you want to go. So that is the primary aspect of it is when you're unconscious, when you're sleeping, that actually rejuvenates you in, in a lot of ways. So what I would say to that is you have to make sure your primary needs are being met. The primary needs are your health, excuse me, your, your sleep, your diet, and your, your um, your hydration. Those are the main things you have to have. And so if we don't plan that in, everything else is not going to work. And so it's not some magic formula, but you have to make sure those things are met. And if they're not met, then everything else is going to be sloppy, if you will, because we just don't have the building blocks for success. And that those is those building blocks are that the sleep, the hydration and the eating. So it sounds like what you just said there is is one of the two or one of the three pillars of what I like to call for me, the living undeterred mindset. And mm -hmm. one of them is expectations. I want to have you put yeah. that in a box for a minute. Cause I want to come back sure. to that. But the second, uh, pillar is preparation. And you just talked about that. So I'd like to see what you think on preparation, because I know for me it's meditation, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, reading my podcasts and one item for me, that's very important is avoiding toxicity. Because mm -hmm. I think that that you know whether that's TV or negative friends or whatever that prepares me for the inevitable you know life throws at you. So I want you to talk about preparation a little bit, kind of how that how that um, is uh, discussed in your book or maybe in in what you do with mm -hmm. with people you work mm -hmm. with, and then expectations. I mean, it seems like we we just we have a, a set of unrealistic expectations as humans often, and we get very frustrated sure. with things that seem to me. Uh, are almost self-imposed because our expectations are out of whack. So what's your thoughts on those two things? Mm -hmm. When it comes to preparation, one of the best ways for success is to, is a re, is reverse engineer what you want. So if like today, today is, um, what is today? Today's Thursday. So tomorrow yeah. <laughs> is Friday. So for, <laughs> so for tomorrow, uh, I'm already planning what my day is going to look like tomorrow. So I reverse engineer that. So I reverse engineer the 24 hours from today and I go to the, when I'm going to go to sleep. So when I reverse engineer when I'm going to go to sleep, 
What does that look like before that as I, as I prepare to, to go to bed? What does it look like prior to that? And I work each event back. And I know for some people, I think, James, that's so rigid. But the difference is, is it's not about the rigidity of it. It's about the preparation for that because I know what to expect. There's nothing wrong with having downtime. In fact, I build in downtime to my schedule. I don't even have to know what I'm going to do for my downtime. Because I can say, well, for the next three, three hours, it's going to be downtime. When that time happens, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. I don't have to figure that, all that out. But the point is, when you can be that structured, it allows you to keep your life in order. As we know, the opposite of order is chaos. And so without yeah. some form of structure or with some type of, of formula or some type of um, um, schedule of some sort, our life is not going to be manageable. So when we can build in, when do we have our sleeping? When do we have our eating? I know for me, when I get incredibly overwhelmed, like a couple of weeks ago or this past week, I had a lot of anxiety about something personal that happened. Just I was blindsided by something and I was like, okay, I, I can't eat. And I, I'm the type of person, if I can't eat, or I, I have a lot of anxiety, I can't eat, but I will work out like you will not believe. And it's great. But I know that I have to eat. So those types of things, right. when, when emotions do overwhelm us, what do you do? And this is what I ask myself. James, you felt this anxiety before. What do you do that works for you? What do you do that does not work? So I was able to plug and play what that looks like. So when I felt that anxiety, yes, I worked out a lot, but I said, I know I need to eat. So even though I didn't want to eat, I made myself eat. I'm, I'm not thirsty, but I know I need to drink, drink water. And so those things are things you have to do when you do become overwhelmed. And so that's the, when it comes to preparation is life is going to happen all the time. When you can immediately identify the emotion that you're experiencing, reflect, just like it says in the book, what, when did I feel this before? What did I do? So that's really what it boils down to preparation is we can't prepare for what life is going to happen going to give us, but we can prepare as much as we can for our day within the 24 hours. So success always comes from the implementation of something 24 hours in advance, reverse engineer it, and you'll find that you'll be more successful than you are today. So um, and that helps with the preparation. How about expectations? How can people get a set of realistic expectations? We seem to live in this video game mindset where we'll just, mm -hmm. oh, we'll buy a new life or we'll just Sure. You know, it, it, it's almost like uh, um, a matrix or a, 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 a um, you know, not real life we live in sometimes. Sure, so how do you get people mm -hmm. to just look in the mirror and say, you know what, I, I know I'm not perfect. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, my expectations are to be perfect, but sure. I'm not. And so talk about expectations a little bit, how, how people can get better at uh, understanding how they can actually, you know, control uh, what we do during our lives. A lot of times people are so used to social media and so many different aspects of creating this perfect world. There's so many different filters people use or in social media, they have this incredible life. You're like, Oh my God, I wish, I wish that would be true. In fact, I was thinking about that last night. I wish, I wish that was my life or that is my life. And then once the camera's off, like, okay, well, you know, right now I, yeah. <laughs> I already have this. Yeah. I just came home about an hour ago and I have water all over my floor. So here I am in my house yeah. and yeah, I have a beautiful house here. Here's the ocean behind me. And right here underneath my sink, because I'm in my home, I'm not in a studio right now in my house. Underneath my sink, I have everything out <laughs> because there's water here and the plumber is going to come here right after the show. So the thing is, right. you may see this, but this is what's happening. And I think that's when right. it comes to, to expectations. This is our ideal expectation. This is reality behind the camera right here. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of it has to do with wh what are you able to say, who am I really? Camera's off, the, the mic's off, I'm, I'm not on social media, whatever it might be. 
who am I really? And when one of the exercises I actually have in my book, and, and I believe it's in the chapter called Forgiving Yourself, it's looking, actually looking in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, I'm not saying look at your mirror, see how you look, but you actually look into your eyes. And as you start to talk to yourself, you'll see that there's something different there. I know for me, when I have to forgive myself, and I'm no different than anyone else, it happens all the time. When I talk to myself and I, and I, and I honor myself and I can say, James, you are such a loving, kind, generous, noble, beautiful, intelligent man. And whatever I say to myself, I see that. And when I really look into my eyes with that, I find, and I'm sure many people who've done this as well, I actually blush because it's, it's, it's such an honor to be able to tell right. yourself something that you truly believe. And in doing that, then I start to say, and you know what, this is what you're struggling with today. You, you tried really hard today, didn't work out. You did this, somebody did this back to you or did this. And so as I really talk to myself throughout the day and really focus in my eyes of what's going on, all of a sudden, everything else kind of falls away. All of the pretense I have, all of the, the facade that I have starts to melt away. And that's when you really see who you are, because if you can be honest with yourself, and I'm sure many people can, but it can be difficult. But the more you talk to yourself in the mirror, looking in your eyes, you'll find that things start to melt away. And when they melt away, you truly see who you are. And when you truly see who you are, that's when nobody, nobody's around you. What do you do with that information? So I can say, yes, James, this is how you want to be, but this may not be who you are. And so when it comes to the self-compassion, self-compassion is one of the hardest things that people do. What we often don't realize is that we are an emotional abuser when we use those negative self-talk. If I say, James, you're so ugly, mm -hmm. you're so stupid, I can't believe you did that. Mm -hmm. I am being an emotional abuser. We all know what an emotional right. abuser is and we're like, I would, oh, I would defend someone but we do it to ourselves, And so with that emotional abuse, that's where we have all these expectations of, I, I should be this, I should be that. The reality is I strive to be that, but I'm not even close to being that. So, right. but when you can look at yourself, like I said, and have that self-compassion, and then as you say what you're struggling, and then you hold yourself accountable. James, you really struggled today. That, this is where you went wrong. This is what I need you to do right now. I need you to do this and this. And so as I start to talk to myself in that respect, it starts to build myself up. So you can, you find compassion, you set the internal boundary, the internal boundary becomes the activation of what you do. And that's how you change your life. So I said a lot of things there, but it comes to the preparation yeah. and it comes to managing expectations based on how you see yourself in the mirror, literally. And there's something about humility, you know, and just laughing at yourself and laughing at the situation. You know, I, this morning I had to take the RV and it's seven o'clock in the morning to get some service work on it before we take off on our second stage. And, um, my phone took me downtown Cedar Rapids, oh. you know, and I told the guy that I was going to be there at seven cause he was going to squeeze me in, you know, Oh goodness, way out of the way. I mean, my, for some reason, my phone took me down. I'm blaming my phone now, right? But I was too lazy to actually verify it was the right thing I put in. So I was half an hour late. And mm. on the way there, I just started laughing. I just started laughing. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I can, I can start my day off at 7.15, mad, angry, yeah. drinking coffee in my, in my RV, flying down the interstate, trying to find the guy's phone number because he's waiting for me. And I just started laughing out, out loud. And I think... I just realized, you know, my dad is sitting in the hospital. Maybe his days are numbered. Yeah. And here I am sitting here going to get mad because I'm 15 to 20 minutes late going to an appointment when everything really should be so insignificant other than what my dad is going through. Mm -hmm. And so it really put me yeah. having that lens and you talked about, you know, reframing. I've heard you talk about reframing a lot mm -hmm. for me to kind of reframe my turmoil. I was in at the moment. I just realized how ridiculous it was for me to be mad. Yeah. And this guy's going to be fine when I get there. 
And sure enough, I got there and he didn't even know I was late. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's a little life lesson in there, James, is that, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we sometimes get so caught up on some little tiny things during our day that, that it ends up dictate, especially early in the morning. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that the key that you don't want to fall behind the emotional eight ball right out of the bat? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you talk about that maybe in your book or maybe with you talk on your show about make sure that first five, 10 minutes of your day, you are going in the right direction, right? Correct. How you start your day is is indicative of how your day is going to go. If you start mm-hmm. your day continually hitting the snooze button or not really preparing for your, preparing for your day, so once again, there's nothing wrong if you hit the snooze button. But if you know you need to be up at a certain time, then set your alarm a couple hours earlier. Then you can hit the snooze button, so you you mm-hmm. are able to meet that need of the snooze button. But you want to make sure that you are very specific and intentional when you wake up. If you wake up in in a day, and maybe it's different for the weekends, but if you wake up during the day and you don't set your intention for improving all aspects of your, of your, of yourself. So I look at this is your spirit, mind, and body. People can call it whatever they want, the id, ego, super ego, whatever, right. however you want to quantify it, which is totally fine. The way I do that though, is I know during the day I get to use my intellect. Sometimes I'm pretty smart, sometimes not so much, but I get to use my intellect. And then the physical aspect is something I make sure I do every single day, because for me, I have to do something physical. And so if I don't do something physical, that when anxiety or whatever hits me, all of a sudden that's going to creep up in my body. So if I, just like your metabolism, if I do something early in the morning for me, the physical aspect of it, I know that throughout the day, my body and heart rate's already going. So when the anxiety hits or depression, or I'm just shocked by something, my body is already taking that energy and it'll use it as metabolism and burn it off. Because as we know, when emotionals, emotions happen, thoughts create emotions, emotions create how our body responds. That can be through mm-hmm. your heart rate increasing, that can be through a spike of adrenaline, whatever that might be. But if I've already built my body up during the day or in the morning to be um, a machine, if you will, so when those adrenaline spikes in or my heart rate increases more, my body automatically uses that as fuel to burn off calories, etc. So in burning off those calories, it decreases my emotional output uh, because the anxiety is now decreased. And so therefore I'm able to be more healthy. So I've used my intellect during the day, use my body in a healthy way. And then for me, my spirits or my soul, but how you want to quantify that? I do something every morning that is very specific for me. So I always get up an hour before I'm supposed to do something for me. And then I focus my time and my energy on something that connects with my spirit, something for me greater than who I am. And so in that, that's where I find my strength. That's when life happens and it happens to all of us. That's where I know every morning when I start my day that way, I know that my day is started off with in my my spiritual connection. And then, then it goes to my body and then it goes to my intellect. So when each of those are are struggling, you know, if my, if my body's flagging while my spirit can say, all right, James, it doesn't matter what's going on. You got this. You're going to be okay with this. And then my intellect says, okay, yes, this is my cheerleader. You've got this with your faith and you have hope. Now let's figure out what we're going to do. Or if, if my business is crumbling, my spirit says, James, you've been here before. What did you do before you're going to overcome this? My body says, yes, let's go out there, literally go out there and figure out what we're going to do. Or if my spirit is flagging, I can say, okay, well, logically, things change. Things are influencing you. So if things have influenced you before, let's use your past data to say what happened. How did you increase your spiritual aspect of it? So all three things always work in tandem. So it's so important to say how you start your day is indicative of how your day is going to go. Because if you don't incorporate all three of those things every single day, you'll find that, yes, you may be the smartest man alive, but you may have no hope. You may have no, um, 
you know, don't have perspective and whatever that might be. So you have to really say when one part of my life increases, are the other two parts of my life increasing as well? And unfortunately, if people don't do that, they might find that they're not as living the most fulfilled life as they thought they were. Or that they I want to jump on something you said early on in that conversation, in that um, answer is you mm -hmm. said thoughts generate emotions. So mm -hmm. when you said that, I immediately went to, for me, meditation. So I meditate mm -hmm. in the morning because I can, I think that, that my thoughts, you're right. They will determine my emotions. And so it's not like I'm trying to control my thoughts. Cause I don't really think you can, but it's more just being aware of the, their life expectancy. In other words, yes. their impermanence, you know, that a thought comes in, like I was in the RV this morning, you know, I was angry. And I realized that that thought would die and go away. And so the, like I said, going back to the first five or 10 or 15 minutes, um, for me, it's meditation. I have to do it in the morning and I get up a little early, like you do maybe not an hour before, but I get up a little bit early so I can do my 10 or 15 minutes of meditation. But I want to jump back. I promised you, I want to talk about one of your chapters. Oh, it's um, fine. Or not, I call them a chapter, but I don't, I think they're categories. Categories. Like sure. Uh -huh. Yeah. Is the last one tackling the holidays yes and the reason why that one grabbed out at me and i don't know if i've even told you this james since the last time we talked um but i have discussed it publicly but i had i would ha i had my first brush with what i would call suicidal ideation over mm -hmm. christmas which wow. was just jaw-dropping for me because i've written a book i do sure. a podcast i talk to people like you every day and it's like how could this living undeterred guy that seems like I have everything together mm -hmm. from the perception of people watching me mm -hmm. could just go from here to here so fast over the holidays. Yeah. And it shocked me. It shocked me. Mm -hmm. And I, I understood why it happened and I can talk about that some other time, but, but the reasoning, the reason was I took shortcuts in my mm -hmm. healing. And yeah. so when you, when I saw tackling the holidays, I thought, wow, I have to ask James, um, how, how do people get through, and I'm in a lot of Facebook chat groups of moms and dads mm -hmm. that have lost children and these anniversaries comes up of their dates of their yeah. death, you know, and their heavenly birthdays, they're called when, when they were born mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you work through that? I mean, that is so hard for those parents that have lost, and it doesn't have to be a child. You sure. could have lost your spouse. Sure. So well, I did that as well, but it's like, Holidays are hard. Birthdays are hard. Anniversaries, yeah. Mother Days are hard. I mean, it's mm -hmm. actually every day is hard. You know, yeah. how do you how do you help me get through that? Sure. Well, first off, I want to clarify when I said wow when you said that. The reason I said wow was I appreciate your for being forthcoming because sure. I know a lot of people hearing this right now are like I've been there before. I've been there before myself. You know, when life overwhelms me, I'm like, oh god, this really this is horrible. I don't want to do mm -hmm. this anymore. So there's a difference between passive thoughts and active thoughts. A passive thought is if I wake up, if I don't wake up, I don't wake up. An active thought of self harm or suicide is this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. So I'm, mm -hmm. it's it's. I want to normalize the fact that many people have very passive thoughts and people can have those all every day. And, but the difference is once it becomes an active thought, that's when you of course need to speak to um, a licensed person like myself or go to your nearest emergency room. But going back to the whole aspect of the holidays, yeah, they're incredibly difficult. One of the chapters is called overcoming your holiday blues. That's hard because we can all, when the holidays happen, I mean, well, my mom has a Hallmark channel movie <laughs> for Christmas. It's like, 
Not even during, I guess, Christmas in July. I mean, it's all the time. So that creates, once again, those expectations of this is right. amazing. This is how life should be. And the reality is, <laughs> when you look here, yeah. everything's you got water my, in your floor. My, That's yeah, how life is. water on my floor. <laughs> that is what's happening in my life right now. So yeah. the reality is, is it can be very painful. It creates all of these nostalgic feelings and emotions that can just be so raw and so painful. One of the things I do is actually walk you through when the holidays come up, the preparation for that. What does that look like? On the day of, what do you do? How do you not get lost in what was? Because what was will always be better than what is. And what is right now is so painful. So with that particular chapter of overcoming your holiday blues really focuses on what to do. Because I know as, as someone who has celebrated the holidays alone, it can be very lonely. And so yeah. to prepare for that, you know, and what that looks like is, okay, and the day of, let me plan my schedule out as much as possible. So mm. what time am I going to wake up? If I'm going to go to the gym, what time do I go to the gym? Um, what, let me prepare the menu. What kind of food do I want to have throughout the day? What kind of movies do I want to watch? What kind of activities do I want to do? What, what kind of, um, uh, what are things I can do that keep me focused in the moment? Because without structure in that moment, without any schedule, we will focus on everything we lost. Because once again, what was, was where our joy was and what is in the moment that feels like there's no joy. So to be kind to yourself, you have to really plan out that day way before it even happens and stick with that, uh, stick with that schedule. And in doing that, it keeps you focused on the moment as opposed to once again, the sadness of what was. I really, 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 really like that because I know for me when anniversaries come up or things come mm -hmm. up um, and I look at my schedule like the next day and let's say it's the anniversary of Seth's death which is October 4th in the past, you know, I didn't really want to plan a lot of things because I kind of wanted to reflect. I kind of wanted to honor him. Yeah. But then what I ended up doing, James, is just got lost in thought and I just mm -hmm. got lost in memories, which almost all were, even though they were happy, very fleeting, they, they were painful. And then yeah, I would just get, were. and then I would go from a thousand to zero, just, I mean, literally or zero to a thousand, just so fast. But I think if going forward for me, I'm going to heed your advice or your guidance, and I'm going to make sure that my days are full because you don't have, yes, you have. time to be sad if you're busy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hard to yeah. be like you and I talked for an hour here today. We're going to, I can't, I can't be sad, right? Cause I'm talking to you mm -hmm. or I can for a little bit, but, sure. but if I'm sitting there on my couch, looking out my window or looking over at a pitch of a picture of his graduation, you know, and this weekend will be tough cause it's graduation. And I always think about my son mm -hmm. wearing sure. his orange and black graduation gown. It's that picture is in my book and it's going to be a tough weekend for me, but you know, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to stay busy. And I'm going to really try to stay in that zone, that sweet mm -hmm. spot, but I'm going to allow myself time to think about Seth, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Because one thing that I, one thing, James, I wanted to, I, I know I, with my attention deficit, I tend to just, no, I, follow I, you. I have to I'm, ask I'm you about you. this. I have to ask you about this. Cause this is one of the things that probably irritates me the most in these clubs of, of grieving parents and, or, or maybe your spouse died, whatever. Um, is this get over mentality, this get over mindset. Yeah. I want to call BS on that because I, I think it's just setting us up for disaster. And it's no different for me yeah. than someone who maybe is sober and they talk about how many days they've been sober in a row. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't do that because I think that just sets yourself up for that one time that you decide to be a human being and you slip up and you have a drink. Now you torture yourself. And so for yes. me, it's like, 
Um, I don't know. I just, I, I need to be very, anyway, I, I just thought I'd ask you that. I asked you no, what your uh, thoughts are. Great questions. I have, I have three, three parts to that. So the first part is it's, it's so important for someone not to memorialize an event or in other words, a date. When someone memorializes a date, now there's difference between the holidays. I mean, yes, an anniversary can be of anything you want it to be. But if you know that that particular date causes a lot of grief for you, uh, if I may, for, for Seth on October 4th, mm-hmm. when a person, actually I'll speak with my mom. So my, as I told you in the pre-call, my, uh, my father passed away um, right. January 13th of 2010. And when I really talked with my mom about in 2011, January 13th, if she memorialized that date and would say on that date of 2011, she would get lost in the grief. And what yeah. happens is when we, we re-traumatize ourselves when every time the anniversary date comes up, because we, when you, re, when you think of something, when you think of a memory, a, a very traumatic memory, and you, you will relive it. So then you actually relive the trauma from the first time you thought of it. So on January 11th, if she lived in that moment, excuse me, January 2011, if she relived that, she's now re-traumatizing herself to when she got the news that my father passed away. And then 2012, if she were to do that as well, she's re-traumatizing. So every time a date comes up where someone has passed, if you memorialize that date, you then create the the expectation of that loss again, which unfortunately- But why do we do that? that? I mean, it's- Unfortunately, because it seems- we, Yeah. Unfortunately, we as Go humans are, caught, are trained, we've trained ourselves that we have to think in, in sequence. That's why we have six, 60 minutes um, in an hour. We have 60 seconds in, in, mm. uh, in a minute. And so t- 365 days in a year, we train ourselves of when it comes to sequences. And so we've taught ourselves that this date, something happened. Everybody has a type, what's called a circadian rhythm. It's, it's fancy terms we don't need to know, but everyone has a rhythm of their day, rhythm of when they're most mm. productive, when the rhythm of when they're most tired. And so when rhythms happen, those rhythms actually happen when it comes to seasons. They, they happen throughout the year. And so what we do is when a rhythm happens, we've created a snapshot in our life of, a, of an event that happened in that year. And so then that rhythm happens again the next year. We start to prepare ourselves for that loss because that emotion was so powerful for us that that creates that rhythm. And so when that rhythm happens, that's why we, tra- we train ourselves that we have to memorialize an event. So when, when a person memorializes an event and there's nothing wrong with thinking about the person and grieving that person. The difference is you have to use your logic in this respect to say, all right, so January um, January 12th, my father was alive. And then January 14th or 13th, he passed away. So if I, the following year, if January 12th came along, okay, well, he wasn't dead, January 13th, that's the anniversary date. When we, What we do is if we all of a sudden think of it like it just happened again, what's different between January 12th and January 13th of the next year. Nothing's different. And so right. what happens is you have to remove that. So therefore you can grieve throughout the whole year. But if you make that one week or that one day so much yeah. more full of grief, then you compound yeah. it to such a degree that you re-traumatize yourself to the initial moment of when it happened. So that's why I would tell mm. people grief throughout the year. Don't allow that one date to then become the time when all your grief is experienced because you break down and it's so overwhelming. And that's when people... I feel like there's no hope. And that's when they emotionally forecast their life again to say, this is how my life is going to be. I'm re-traumatized. I'm, I'm, I lose that, that 
I lose myself in that loss. And that unfortunately is so painful. So as you, as you read this book, Life Lessons, you are the expert on your life. That is something I really help people realize is you can't get lost in the memory of something because in doing that, that's where you re-traumatize yourself and you feel that pain over and over and over again. So when you grieve, grieve every single day. Don't, don't limit it to one moment or only feel it so much because unfortunately in doing that, it causes you to stumble and not, and takes you a lot longer to get back on track again. That's one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. I'm serious, man. I'm, this just hit me so hard because not only can I do this to help me, but these, yeah. some of these parents that I know that are just unbelievable human beings because of their advocacy, mm -hmm. they've taken sure. the, the, yeah. the suicide of their son or daughter. They've taken the, the drunk driver that killed him or, or, or the, the cancer or whatever that they did that mm -hmm. lost a loved one. And they've, you're right. They've taken these certain days and, and like in, in yeah. this club I'm in with the deceased child, it, you know, this, this, um, heavenly birthday thing is very popular where, where people will post, you know, here's their heavenly and see, I just, I Seth's 28 to me. I don't have a heavenly birthday. He died at 23. Mm -hmm. And I just think that in mm -hmm. my mind, he's 28 this sure. year. He's just not here, but he's 28. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, but I love this grief throughout the year. You, you dice it up instead of one sure. painful day. Now you, well, I'm not saying 365 painful days, but, but mm -hmm. you break it down into more manageable days. And so really that explains my obsession with what I'm doing with my tour and my project, mm -hmm. because I'm trying to, you know, um, I'm trying to remember my wife and my son every day and it's less painful for me than just repressing, mm -hmm. repressing, repressing, and then like a, a slinky, yes. take my hand off and it just goes boom right through the roof. Mm -hmm. And then I sit there and I, I get like I did back in Christmas time, I get, you know, suicidal ideation. It's like, mm -hmm. I really like the way you presented that. I think that's something that I'll take away from our conversation today that I, as I talk to people every day, I'm going to start presenting this idea and do a little bit more research into this grieve throughout the year idea. I really, really like that. And that's really the first time I've really had somebody, somebody's probably said it to me, but they didn't explain it as well as you did. Yeah. No, oh, well, thank you. And you know, that's something my mom has even said, you know, the, how that has helped her. So, I mean, I'm not, I mean, anyone, anyone, any quote expert can explain this, but for me, that's something that I've, I really tried and help. Cause when I saw it, my mom, who is obviously struggling so much, lost the love of her life, was able to recognize that. And so she's told so many other people who've lost mm. people as well with that. So that's something, you know, I have to take into my own life when, when something happens for me, I can memorialize any event. And that can be from the biggest thing, to the smallest thing. It can be, let's say, um, uh, someone went through a divorce. And so that yeah. next week, it's been a week since I've been divorced. It's been a month since I've been divorced. It's been this. Mm -hmm. And when yeah, we, right, whatever, right. whatever anniversary we use, that just re-traumatizes ourselves. There's no different from the day before than the day of or the day after when it comes to an anniversary date of trauma. Unless it, you man. allow it. I absolutely be. love it. I'm going to, I'm going to have to write a blog on this. My there wheels you go, do it. <laughs> oh, I just, I love that mindset. You know, everything's mindset. You talked about it thoughts is. dictate your emotions. Mm -hmm. And and I think sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes people are driven by their emotions. They don't yes. realize that what you think will drive your emotions. And they, and they yes. think that everything's just emotion-based and that's where people snap and you have this mentality mm -hmm. today and you look at all the issues with people just doing hor horrific things um yes. impulsively you know going through a drive-through mm -hmm. and they'll just get into a fight with somebody it's like 
And a lot of it is just um, their inability to understand that that thought precedes action. Yes. And you know, a lot of times ability... people think that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I totally, I totally get it. No, you're good. I'm sorry about that. A lot of times people, you know, when you talk about uh, relapsing, there, there's a difference between relapsing and lapsing. A person relapses, and that can be in anything. That's overeating. That can be in, in actual um, substance abuse. It can be in anything you want. But the relapse doesn't happen when you do the action. The relapse starts with a thought. For example, if you, we've all seen um, a pizza commercial, or maybe I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> I can lie. see a pizza commercial, and I'm like, oh, that looks good. I'm like, oh, no, I don't need that. And then maybe a couple of days later, I happen to walk by and I see some, a pizzeria. I'm like, oh, that actually looks good. And then you know, I'm, a couple of days later, I'm like, God, I'm really hungry. And then I'm like, oh, there's a there's a Domino's right there, whatever, some you know, whatever um, pizza yeah. company. And I'm like, I'm gonna get one. And so this instantaneous thing happened. So I get it. But so the action happened or the behavior happened when I ordered it and when I ate it. But the difference is, is the re, the quote relapse happened with the first thought. The first thought begot another thought, which then got more influence and more influence. And then pretty soon I'm like, ah, now I'm consciously entertaining that. Now I'm actually doing the behavior. So what's the most important thing is when you recognize what your thought structure is that leads a person to relapse or leads a person to doing something they don't want to do, that's when you have to catch it. It's so important to realize you can pull out a sapling from the ground, a baby tree, but it's, you can't pull out a tree by itself. So as soon as you catch whatever that first thought is or that second thought is, you have to immediately say, James, you are focusing on this. That is not going towards the direction you want to go. What are you going to do? And what have you done in the past? Just like my book teaches you, what have you done in the past to stop that thought structure so it doesn't start to plant something and pretty soon you're now engaging in something that you know is not healthy for you? Well, uh, back to the book. I, I, I can't wait to read it. Uh, are you going to do an audiobook version? I am actually. And so it'll be my voice since I'm on the radio all the time. Yes, I am. Uh, by the time that the book, the book actually launches, which is June 14, 2022, um, the, it'll probably be a week or two before the audiobook comes out. But yes, there will be one very soon. Right now it's on paperback and all electronic books as well. But yes, there will be an audiobook coming very soon as well. And are you going on a on a book tour, or is this already starting your book tour, or kind of how you how do you plan on doing a lot of your promotion? Sure, with everything going on um, post COVID, it's a little bit different. I mean, you're probably realizing more than I am as far as people showing up in the well. You, yeah. I know you are because of your of your tour, and so it's a little bit different. Um, specifically now, there's a new thing, some of that monkeypox or something. I'm not yeah, sure. I saw that. <laughs> Something's <Yeah>. happening <laughs> in the world, and so I know a lot of people are, you know, of course, struggling with that too. So. To answer your question, I have been blessed to be on a lot of fantastic shows like yourself, and I have a lot more shows than would be on. I have a huge uh, publicity um, publicity stunt that's coming out. It's your plumber so I'm really calling. happy about that. <laughs> right, well, actually, calling. I think it is. <laughs> that's hysterical. That should be a gender Um I think it is, actually. <laughs> but but the, to answer the question, I have, there's a huge publicity pitch that's going out, a press release that's going to all the major markets, all the big markets, small markets that I'm really blessed that my my PR team at Red Heifer Media has done a fantastic job at helping with that. So I'm very excited about that. So yeah, I get to get to meet so many people like you and to talk so so many people as well. And so I'm, I'm always open to having listeners and viewers reach out to me at Instagram at James Miller Lifeology. Love to reach, talk to as many people as I can. And, you know, just to instill hope that there's always hope regardless of how difficult life may be. Well, one of the ideas behind this whole nationwide tour that we're doing is to make it less about me and more about we, mm -hmm. and to turn mm -hmm. the spotlight on the individual, maybe the silo shops, the nonprofits mm -hmm. that are out there, you know, in the trenches every day. And so your book, the timing's perfect because you come out, you said June, what days it come out? June 14th, just right after Father's yeah. Day. And we're going to run Pre this episode. Are 
before. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. Well, pre-sales, pre-sales are actually um, May 31st to June 13th. Pre-sales are on Amazon. Um, you can buy pre-sale, pre pre-purchase it. Anything after June 14th, you can buy any bookstore you want, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, Amazon, anything you want, you can find it anywhere. And we'll be able to help you promote it, it promote your book on our tour as well. But I know when we come to oh, Florida, which is your home state, um, mm-hmm. I'd certainly love the opportunity to maybe do an interview with you in the RV or something or whatever. We, oh, I, I know that. we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I don't remember when exactly, but it's in the third stage, I think. So, okay. but just give an update on how the book's going. And, um, oh, you know, like that. I said, the timing just, I had someone once say to me and said, you know, Jeff, your, your timing on your tour couldn't be any better. And I feel that way about your book. And it, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that our timing is good because we yeah, shouldn't right. be doing, I shouldn't be doing a tour. Uh, I shouldn't sure. be out there talking to grieving parents. You know, there's 800 people a day, James, think about this. 800 people a day in America are dying from overdose, mm. alcohol, and suicide. And the, mm. the, the issue with that statistic is we focus on the 800. How about the 8,000 that don't die? Yeah. How about the 20,000 yeah. that don't die? You don't think those families are torn apart? I, I watched my son go through a six-year addiction uh, uh, struggle that didn't tear our family apart, but certainly damaged it, winged mm-hmm. it. And then my wife went yeah. through a, a long, lengthy battle with alcoholism that affected everything, my marriage and everything. And sure. so we, we tend to look at a statistic like 800 and we think, oh, that's that's sad, 800 families. I said, no. <laughs> There's, there's, there's thousands and thousands of thousands every day that don't die that have just yes. maybe not just as much damage, but, but plenty of damage that can destroy families. So your book is, is right there. Top of mind, perfect timing, unfortunately. And I'm honored to be able to, to have you talk about this on our show. And I'm, I'm happy to help you continue promoting and talking about it. And I'd like to get you back on the show, maybe um, sometime when we come down to see you guys in, in Florida in July. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. If I may say one more thing as well, yeah. is there's what's called a dialectic. And that's one of the chapters in my book. A dialectic is a really uh, a fancy term that everyone, I think it's important that people realize it. So a dialectic is essentially, you can have two opposing things exist at the same time. So you said, it's unfortunate that you have to do this right now. Absolutely right. So the dialectic would be, it's unfortunate that you have to do this, but it's also it's, it's unfortunate you have to do this, but it's also it's true. You have to do this. And so the reality is it's sad, but it's also needed. And so both of those don't feel like they exist, but it's one or the other. So one or the other is essentially, it can only be this or it can only be that. The difference is, is that when you are living a life where I have to choose this or I have to choose that, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. So for example, you're at a funeral and at a funeral, you're really sad, but then you focus on something like a happy memory and all of a sudden you're really happy. So you're like, I'm really sad, but I'm happy. And when that happens, you say, well, I I can't feel both. I I can't feel happy when I'm I'm at a funeral, but the reality is you can. And so we know that that's possible. Both things can exist. And so as a person is struggling with something, if I think I have to be mad at this person, but I also love this person, or I also have to this or that. And so when we live in a life of it's one or the other, unfortunately, we don't allow ourselves to be able to experience the fluidity of life because I feel so many more emotions than just one. And so when people realize that we can hate someone, but love someone, 
that's a dialectic. Understanding yeah. how dialectics play out in one's life allows for a person to experience life at the fullest as opposed to getting stuck in one, this or that. And in doing that, that doesn't allow for a person to see what their choices are. And they don't have the choices. And all of a sudden they think, I don't have the other options. It's only this. And they lose out on ways and how to understand how to grow and develop in their life. So that's my little takeaway there is helping people understand that. So understand what a dialectic is, all the different ways in which Many things exist at the same time to be 100% true that allows a person to fully experience the, who they are as a person and to understand life in a completely different way. Well, listen, Life Lessons, you are the expert on your life, is out soon. And um, I'm super excited to read it. And I'll do a book report for you on social media when I get done reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. Hey, well, thanks being on the show today and enjoy our friendship. And um, best of luck with every, everything you're doing to help um, improve people's lives. I really appreciate that. And if anyone wants to listen to my show, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and you can find everything about me on social media at jamesmillerlifeology. Reach out to me on Instagram. And yes, the book pre-sales, uh, May, Mark, excuse me, May 31st to June 13th on Amazon. Anytime after June 14th, buy in your favorite bookstore and um, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life by James Miller. And we'll have all your contact information on our uh, post as well. So, Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, it. my friend. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it very much.